This is Marcelo Pico, Editor-in-Chief of Talk Film Society, and your host through the Talk Film Society Festival 2020, here to introduce Day 4. Yes, it's Day 4 of the Fest. It's another double feature, just like Day 3 where uh, two movies were featured. Now today, two movies are featured. It's a superhero sequel double feature with Batman Returns and Spider-Man 2. Uh, Spider-Man 2 is the first movie of the double feature today, and that one is presented by Aaron Hendricks. So in this episode, you'll hear me and Aaron discussing Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, but before I toss it to me and him discussing that great superhero sequel, um, let me tell you about something else that's great. Uh, the Talk Film Society Festival program, which features writing on all the films featured and discussed uh, on, uh, over the, the course of 13 days for this festival. It's on the Patreon right now, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. Uh, go there for five bucks. You can uh, uh, get this great collection of writing by our writers and contributors, podcast hosts, talking about the movies they picked. And uh, it, it's I, I highly recommend it. Please do. You'll find uh, Aaron's writing there talking about Spider-Man 2. And you'll find uh, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez is writing about Batman Returns, which you'll hear from her uh, in the next episode. But yeah, uh, just please check out the Patreon if you can't uh, throw in five bucks. If you can't support us um, uh, at, at that level, you can still support us at the one dollar level. Uh, you can get you can get access to uh, podcast episodes, exclusives, uh, our Discord uh, channels there. Uh, yeah, uh, so I highly recommend you you check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talk film society. And with that, oh, one more thing for this Spider-Man 2 episode. At the very end of the discussion, I bring up uh, the fact that when I first watched this movie, like on DVD, and I listened back to the commentary, I I, I said I remembered a uh, what I said in the recording was Kirsten Dunst brought up the ending of The Graduate, but I listened back to the commentary and it was actually Tobey Maguire who brought up uh, The Graduate. Um, so yeah, so this will make sense once you hear the end of the episode. But yeah, that's that's what actually happened. I had to listen back to the commentary because I was. Convinced it was a uh, Kirsten Dunst who brought up the graduate uh, with Sam Raimi um, uh, feigning interest or whatever, but but yeah, no, it was actually Tobey Maguire brought up the graduate, and I, I just listened back to it. Uh, Tobey Maguire uh, connects the ending of Spider-Man two to the graduate, uh, to which Sam Raimi on the commentary goes, "What's the scene? What 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 are you talking about?" So either he's he's playing coy, Raimi is, um, um, not having any knowledge about what happens at the other graduate, or he's uh, no, he's, he's he's a jokester. I don't believe him because there's there's obvious uh, uh, that that that's an obvious graduate nod if you ask me. But anyway, again, it'll make sense at the end of the discussion here. So please enjoy me and Aaron discussing Spider-Man Two. Hello, 
Hello and welcome to the Talk from Society Fest. Uh, here we are talking about another movie. With me for this segment is Aaron Hendricks. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty great. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, for joining me, I don't know. Um, <laughs> at, at, at this point, this may be the seventh or eighth one I've done. Um, I'm not saying I'm I'm tired of the, of doing this yet. Um, also, not in a row. That would be insane. This second one of the night for me. But uh, overall, for the last you know three weeks, I've been recording these segments, and um, we, we were talking off mic about. Uh, other picks, uh, other films that I've talked about of varying degrees. This one in particular, the movie we're going to talk about for this segment. Um, one of my personal favorites. I'm happy you picked it, Aaron. Uh, please tell uh, me and the people listening uh, the movie you picked under the theme of Returns. Yeah, so um, the movie that immediately popped into my head, because of course it always pops into my head, is uh, Spider-Man 2, um, the 2004, you know, uh, Raimi sequel to, to his big blockbuster success in 2002. Yeah, um, and without spoiling much, because we're, we're doing a, an intro to the movie for anybody who maybe is watching for the first time. If if you are watching it for the first time, lucky you, you're gonna watch a great movie. <laughs> uh, or for somebody who hasn't seen it in a while, um, in as non-spoilery terms as you can, Aaron, can you touch on why exactly you picked this uh, uh, under the under the theme of returns? Like, what what is the aspect of this that sticks out to you? Yeah. So I mean. Part of it is that I'm obsessed with this movie and and I've watched it so many times since it came out in 2004. But um, but I like this movie on a lot of levels. I think it's it works really well as both a really solid superhero action movie, but also as a as a um, somewhat understated you know human drama. Um, but it, it, I think the, the part of the movie that's always stuck out to me is that, to me, this is kind of a movie about burnout and finding your groove again. Um, and the theme of returns immediately stuck out to me as, as um, sort of the, the emotional core of this movie. Like, the, the moment that Peter... Um, learns to trust in himself, believe in, in his own worth and comes back is such a, such a wonderful moment. And it's kind of the the emotional culmination of the film, um, that it immediately came to mind when you said returns. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I, I love this movie to death. I do. I, uh, let's go back to, I think, uh, like when you first watched this, Aaron, um, <laughs> I mean, were you there opening weekend or did you watch it, you know, a few years after? Uh, tell me about the first time you saw this. Yeah, you know, I, I can't quite remember. I believe I saw it opening weekend. Um, but I remember, um, I mean, so for context, I'm 24 right now. So I think I would have been like six when I saw the first one and eight when I saw the second one. Maybe the math isn't quite right, but somewhere around there. Um, but I remember the first one just being like completely wide-eyed, captured by by the movie. I remember, you know, running around and and 
um, buying all sorts of the, the little Spider-Man um, confetti shooter things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like coating my backyard in like confetti, uh, or not confetti, but the little you know silly string thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I absolutely adored the first Spider-Man movie, and Spider-Man Two. I think I, I distinctly remember liking the the like human story of of peter parker more and i think that that was something that sam Raimi did well in the first movie was sort of bouncing peter parker with the big you know action set pieces as spider-man but i think he really hits a, a just absolutely perfect uh balance between the two in in, in this movie um and nails both of them <laughs> Uh, let's go back to that first Spider-Man and also Sam Raimi overall mm-hmm. um, because I mean hopefully we're on the same page I think we are uh, Sam Raimi yeah. is like incredible um, <laughs> it, just like maybe a few weeks ago I was um, just praising Darkman and, and just how incredible that movie is and for me uh, from my point of view like being a huge Sam Raimi fan growing up uh, being a fan of Darkman, and then him doing the first Spider-Man movie, which is mm-hmm. him just doing instead of like doing like a, a a superhero character, you know, he had created for that movie. I think he was turned mm-hmm. down. I think he I think he was gonna do Batman or something, and he got turned down. So he did Darkman instead. Him doing Spider-Man, which at that point I was I don't even know how old I was. I was I was a, a young kid. I had seen the Spider-Man cartoon on like Fox Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. so I was a big Spider-Man fan. Seeing Sam Raimi do a Spider-Man movie um, was it? It just blew my mind. It, it was just like wow. Like I have not seen a movie like this before. Like I, I haven't seen superheroes on screen like this before. That was sensational for me. Uh, talk about that. You're feeling about Sam Raimi in that first Spider-Man movie. Yeah, at the time, I hadn't seen any of his other stuff. Um, I think part of it because, like, I was probably, like, six or seven. So yeah. I definitely hadn't seen the Evil Dead movies. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but, and um, I, sh- I should say my parents owned Darkman, and I was way too young to see that as a kid. I don't know why they had that in their VHS <laughs> collection. So that was me being a weird kid watching Darkman. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen any of his other stuff before that. And I think, honestly, for years, the only thing that I had seen from him were, were the, you know, three Spider-Man movies. Um, and then years later, I doubled back and went through, you know, the Evil Dead movies and fell in love with those and, and Darkman. And, and, um, and I think, um, yeah, for me, Raimi has always been, like, kind of no matter what project he's doing, like, even, I mean, I don't know how much we'll sort of talk briefly about the other Spider-Man movies, but like I, I know Spider-Man three has sort of gone down as, as the sort of um, uh, the, the weak one in the trilogy. I, I personally absolutely adore the movie warts and all. Um, and I think, you know, even when he's not, even when he's constrained or he um, makes, you know, what is, in his broader work, sort of a weak movie. I think there's just an inventiveness and a joy that comes off the screen um, that you know persists from Evil Dead all the way through through his most recent stuff. Um, 
so yeah i absolutely adore sam raimi yeah i have to agree with that there's a particular brand of like uh, the first word that came to mind was like zaniness that you find in the same yeah. Raimi movie and yeah exactly and you for sure are going to get it in a you know spider-man movie directed by sam Raimi, and this for sure has its moments um but going mm-hmm. to a point you made uh, earlier like how and and i remember the there was uh, for like a for the lack of a better word like criticism about this movie about it being too maybe uh like okay just the fact that peter parker is like not in the spider-man costume you know for a lot of the movie <laughs> that's, that's, not, <laughs> yeah, that's not, exactly yeah that's not a big spoiler but it's it's an aspect of the movie like you're saying like he is dealing with uh so much as a student in college and also juggling him being spider-man and then him trying to make you know money income um mm-hmm. i remember that and i remember connecting with it right away thinking you know you know you don't need to have a superman or sorry a superhero movie with you know the the, the main character being you know the superhero all the time talk about that Aaron. like the fact yeah. that you see more peter parker in this than spider-man yeah that was actually something that struck me when i rewatched this um uh just uh earlier today was that like the first four scenes i mean maybe i'm misremembering this but i think like basically the first four scenes are like um him him delivering the pizza um and messing up (laughs) then the uh daily bugle which is always just like you know um J. Jonah Jameson chewing him out and then um, him missing a class and then like not making rent and so it's like it, they and, and I think if I'm remembering this right maybe there's like one small like action set piece in there where he like saves a kid or something yeah but um, but it's like the even in that first um, that first you know chunk of the of the movie that introduction um Raimi's already sort of establishing that this is a movie that's as concerned with Peter Parker as it is with Spider-Man and um and it kind of doesn't see it doesn't see Peter Parker and Spider-Man as two separate halves it sees Peter Parker's responsibilities and Spider-Man's responsibilities as sort of one in the same and interacting with each other and sort of pulling against one another. Um, and I think that specific drama is what makes it work so well as a movie. Yeah. So let's talk about um, kind of the plot of this movie because it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we already covered the fact that this is very much a, uh, it's more of a personal drama. It's a lot, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot quieter than, you know, you'd think, you know, a superhero movie would be actually like some of my favorite moments, which I'll, I'll touch on mm-hmm. in the second half are just like super quiet, you know, no dialogue. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like surprising at times. Um, but you have that aspect of the movie, but then uh, beyond that, the, the, you know, the main threat is uh, Dr. Octopus. Um, mm-hmm. So talk about that, Aaron, um, uh, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock uh, and just, mm-hmm. I guess your, uh, your, your thoughts on him. Yeah, honestly, like, I think when people talk about, like, their favorite um, supervillains in in superhero movies, I think, you know, obviously Heath Ledger's Joker comes up, um, uh, you know, I I, I think for my money, 
and you know, it's it's hard to compete with Heath, Ledger, Heath Ledger's Joker, but I think this is one of the more interesting supervillains. Um, it's a little silly, obviously, in the sort of inhibitor chip that, you know, and we'll get into it in the spoiler section, but the inhibitor chip and having that as sort of a plot device. Um, but I kind of love it because Sam Raimi very much leans into, like, superhero tropes here um, while still keeping these characters grounded in in, in um, uh, very human stakes. And I think uh, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of character, um, which I think makes him very um, uh, empathetic as a as a villain. He's he he's kind, but he also is sort of tortured by the by the like AI of his of his you know cybernetic arms and and you know it's it's silly, but it it I think grounds his character in a in a certain. Um, um, I don't know, human struggle that, that makes him more interesting as a villain. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy to think of a time when we didn't have, you know, great actors filling these roles, these comic book roles. And I think the, the X-Men movies on one hand, then Spider-Man movies, uh, on another mm-hmm. hand, they helped, you know, uh, put like, not to like, you know, dismiss superhero movies, you know, pre two thousands, but for sure, in the in the two thousands, you saw those um, those thespians fill the roles, and you you, yeah. you can't get more thespian than Alfred Molina as yeah, exactly. as uh, uh, Otto Octavius. Oh yeah, he's if not my favorite super villain in a in the comic book movie, he's definitely up there for me. Um, let's talk about I guess uh, the, the 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 returning cast: Tobey Maguire. Um, well, let me ask you this, Aaron. So. I think it just depends on like nowadays how old somebody is and like what their first um, experiences with Spider-Man, the character. Yeah. Like, would Tobey Maguire be your favorite uh, iteration of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? Yeah, I think I think he still is. You know, I I I do like what Tom Holland has done with the character. Um, I think he sort of leans into the to the joy of of spider-man a little bit more than than um than toby mcguire did and obviously he's he's a little bit younger he fits the (laughs) you know the age that they're going for a little bit better but um but i i the thing i really like about toby mcguire's performance is it feels you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's just one thing he's um He's allowed moments where he is, you know, triumphant and joyful, and then obviously Sam Raimi always, you know, slaps him back down with a with a, you know, eviction notice or a, you know, yeah. or a, or a failed test or something like that. But he, you know, he's given he's given mom- he's given a lot of range. He's given moments of um, of great triumph, and then also, uh, you know, serious you know, human moments of failure. Um, and I think he navigates that really well. I think he, he makes it all feel grounded, believable. Um, and, um, and he's just a really charming Peter Parker. I think he, I think he, he absolutely nailed the role in pretty much all three of the films. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I mean, I would I would definitely have to agree and say Tobey Maguire is my favorite on-screen uh, Spider-Man. Um, even though, yeah, like to your point, Tom Holland seems like he's having, you know, a lot, a lot more fun in the role, and also the fact that he's just he just fits it in terms of um, age. I think yes. um, on, on that because like I, I I get it, you know, Tobey Maguire. I don't know how old he was when he was making these Spider-Man movies, but I can I can I can I can even tell when I was a kid. He he he, yeah. he, he may have been too old. <laughs> it's fine though. It's whatever. Um, but uh, even uh, I don't even want to talk about Andrew Garfield. I mean, he he was fine, but those movies didn't work, you know, out at yeah. all. I mean, are, are you a fan of those Amazing Spider-Man movies? I think they're fine. Um, I I mean, I liked some of the, you know, for as, for as much crap as it got, I actually kind of like certain parts of the Amazing Spider-Man too. I think the the um uh, i guess mild spoilers for a now <laughs> i don't know how many year old movie but um the whole death of Gwen stacy segment oh, i think yeah. that was actually handled really well um but i think you know i i appreciate what they were what the actors and the uh directors and all the artists who worked on that were trying to do um but i think it it you know it was really hampered by the fact that they were very clearly trying to build out a an MCU, you know, type of Sony uh, universe, and and it felt very, um, I don't know, it just felt it it felt unnatural the way they were trying to build that universe, and I think that really hurt the writing of those movies. I think it hurt the characters. I think it hurt, um, I don't know, the the overall uh, uh, vision for those movies, but. I, I appreciate certain aspects of them. Yeah, to to kind of wrap it around, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like I went in, you know, with I wasn't coming into Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man two, just to, you know, just just to just to disparage those movies because I I was like I'll, I'll <laughs> give my chance, I'll see what happens, but it was hard to escape like what Sam Raimi and company did for Spider-Man movies. And mm-hmm. and I don't think the Amazing Spider-Man did enough to escape from that. It was, it's like a huge gravitational yeah. pull. It's like you can't just pointing to the first movie of, of you know of of each uh, of each uh, film in the franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the first Spider-Man, that uh, death of Uncle Ben is just so in my it's ingrained ingrained in my head. Like it's it's iconic moments that I think yeah. Raimi pulled off exceptionally. And then in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, with Andrew Garfield, they kind of try to do something similar, maybe too 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 close, yeah. too too close to the bone. And I was like, yeah, you can't, you can't. I don't know. It, again, it's hard to escape. I think the the work that uh, Raimi did in those in the in the in, in his three Spider-Man movies. So yeah, it's and then the Tom Holland Spider-Man. That's like a different, <laughs> you know, something completely different. What, what are your thoughts on that franchise on the MCU Spider-Man right now? I, you know, I actually kind of like, I, I think I, I completely agree with your point that like, it felt like that those Mark Webb um, Spider-Man movies, the amazing Spider-Man movies were trying, I don't know, maybe they were just too close to the original Raimi movies. And that I think it was like five years between Spider-Man 3 yeah. and, and Amazing Spider-Man. And it, it, it just felt like it, it was very clear the sort of financial incentives behind the movie um and i think that really hurt 
the overall movie. Um, but I think with the... And, you know, I mean, as I say that, then, you know, it is it is pretty clear that the MCU was basically doing the same thing. <laughs> there yeah. were the same sort of financial incentives to have a Spider-Man in, in an MCU movie. But I think what they smartly did was they... Uh, changed the demographic to make you know changed his his age to fit more closely to to the sort of classic comics. Um, they uh, and they actually casted that age. You know they had they had a young actor. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think they they sort of one of the great things they did at the beginning. I think with Civil War was they sort of cut all of the um, all the stuff we already know about the character out like they weren't they we all know Uncle Ben we all know you know how he got his powers so it's in the same way we all know the backstory of Batman and we all know the backstory of Superman it's like you you kind of don't need to to say these things um, and I think that really helped Tom Holland's version of, of Spider-Man I think it made it freed him up to be more fun be more um, creative and and sort of very clearly um, distinguish himself from the Raimi movies because like especially with Spider-Man 2 like you're it's very hard to measure up to Spider-Man 2 <laughs> so exactly. you might as well just not even try yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> see yeah that's that's a great point I like how you brought it back to Spider-Man 2 because you know, to try to escape, or to try to to, to replicate, you know, uh, the, the the you know directly the Mary Jane Peter Parker slash Spider Man dynamic, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be hard to do. And the MCU Spider Man seems like yeah, they're they're handling handling it a lot different. And <laughs> because you can't, uh, yeah, I think we agree on this. Spider Man Two, it's going to be hard to top. You know this storyline, yeah. this particular storyline from beginning to end. So, um, I think that's enough intro. I think we'll we'll leave it there. We're going to come back to talk about the film uh, more in depth. But uh, for those listening, uh, if you're watching this for the first time, again, congrats. Um, if you're watching it again, hope you enjoy it again. But here is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two. Hey, what a movie! I mean, that was that's great. Uh, not a dry in the house. Um, Spider-Man Two. So more in depth. Um, I do love that. Uh, it's that. It's it's what we, what we were alluding to in that first segment. Um, the returns aspect of it. Um, and again, this connects to the fact that we don't see. Peter Parker as Spider-Man for a lot of the movie, and it, I think it's the um, it, it's it's like the 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 main uh, uh, it's a it, this movie cannot be Spider-Man two without that aspect of it, right? It's like you have to yeah yeah, yeah and and it and it connects to that classic comic book storyline of Spider-Man not being Spider-Man and just saying you know yeah I, I I'm I'm not gonna do this anymore. So so talk about that aspect, Aaron, more in depth about how uh, Peter Parker in this movie just decides not to be Spider-Man anymore. Yeah, I think I mean this is obviously the the sort of I guess main emotional crux of 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 the film, um, drawing on that on that Spider-Man No More story and and I think um, obviously that that shot that they like. A wholesale rip from the yeah. from the uh, from the comic book cover, which is great. But the um, I, I think it's a really smart way to 
explore um, the idea of responsibility that they sort of were, you know, they were sort of developing the first movie, and I think they do a good job, you know, Sam Raimi does it does a very good job of exploring that in the first movie and exploring the ramifications of Uncle Ben's death, what that means to Peter emotionally, um, what that means to Aunt May emotionally. But I think this movie, especially with the extra bit of time that we have, um, uh, I, I don't know exactly how much time in in you know in world it's been, but he goes from being in high school to, to college, so at least like four years. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I think the way they the way Sam Raimi explores the idea of responsibility, um, burnout, um, uh, you know, sort of self reflection is um, really smart, and I think it both builds on the original movie's themes while also um, doing justice to the Spider Man No More story. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it. I think he he manages to pull it off in this movie better than he did in the first movie, and also better than he did in the third movie. Yeah, and that that uh, the the phrase burnout, um, like it it. <laughs> I'm sure it did resonate in you know 2004 when this came out, mm-hmm. but it resonates more now. Um, yeah. Watching it in 2020. Um, and I think a lot of us can relate to that uh, burnout, mm-hmm. uh, especially in, in, in an economy that requires us to do more, which sucks. Yep. Um, and yeah, that that one aspect of the movie, I I can totally relate with Peter Parker um, yes. in in him wanting, you know, um, he's not being greedy because he's working for it. He wants to have, um, you know, good grades. He wants to have a job, and. And he loves Mary Jane. He loves uh, uh, MJ, but he can't have it all. And he also needs to fight crime, but he can't have it all. So he has to drop something. He has to drop fighting crime. And sure, it's it's something we've seen before. Like, have you seen Spider Man? Sorry, I'm gonna keep doing this. Have you seen Superman two? Um, because that came to mind watching this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I haven't seen it in years, but um, I remember watching it. Um, uh, you know, a couple years after I'd seen Spider-Man Two, and being like, "Oh, okay, this is what you know Raimi's doing." Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's sort of pulling on that tradition. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think he he does such a, a, a believable and and somewhat understated, uh, uh, you know, job of 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 exploring that same idea. Yeah, I think so. Because um, if my memory serves, and and I do love uh, Superman too, uh, the original. Um, yeah. But it's more like he just drops his cape because he just wants to be with you know Lois Lane. That's basically what it is. It's like yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But here, I mean, what kills me, Aaron, and this is what I was alluding to before: the quiet moments. Like what mm-hmm. absolutely kills me is like this is um, I think after he drops being spider-man and he wants to make it right he wants to make it right with um aunt may and tell the truth mm-hmm. about what happened with um Uncle yeah. ben. that scene when he sits down with with her and has his, has a, has a discussion about what really happened that night when uncle ben died it played with like i think the music like fades out and it's just mm-hmm. toby mcguire and rosemary harris having this conversation 
and after he says, you know, after he reveals the truth, like Aunt May just gets up and walks walks out of the room, and it's dead quiet. I remember distinctly watching this in a theater, and just you can hear a pin drop in a theater. Mm-hmm. You, you can hear people like you know uh, just breathing because it's such a tense moment. I think it works perfectly and. It's amazing to me that it's in a movie like this that made like, you know, almost a billion dollars. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So moments yeah, like I th- that, I think, you know, is is a credit to um, this movie. You know, again, not to you know, not to go back to Superman two, but <laughs> you're not gonna see a moment like that in Superman two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sort of building off of that. Yeah, I agree that that scene with Aunt May is is incredible, and I think. Rosemary Harris is just like the reaction shots of her completely sell it. It's it's incredible acting. But I also think the like sort of building off what you're talking about with like the Superman 2 of him hanging up the cape for for Lois Lane. I think the sort of analog for that in this movie where Peter then tries to like communicate that to Mary Jane is it, I think it really works because it's it's sort of um sort of the inverse of that right she she sort of rebukes him she's like you know i you know i i waited for you and you didn't show up so i moved on with my life like you know and and i think the the way he builds that um through the movie i I think those moments really work because they give each character their own agency and they give them um their own backstories their own emotional histories and it feels like they are reacting to each other as humans and not like plot devices, you know? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. yeah, it's 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 a credit to um, uh, the people who wrote this or the main screenwriter Alvin Sargent, I think, mm-hmm. um, who had won two Oscars previous uh, for Julia and Ordinary People. So he's he's you know he's more a legitimate screenwriter than most I think, and yeah, yeah. Uh, him and um, Raimi and the actors I think they they knew to make like that moment when Peter Parker you know tries to say to Mary Jane hey I've I'm changed now you know you, yeah. you, you can see that it's a very real moment because again it's Mary Jane who's played uh, we should talk about. Kirsten Dunst here too, but yeah. you know Mary Jane is her own person. She's not going to drop what she's doing just just because Peter Parker's like, "Hey, I'm ready." Like, like to your yeah. point, like it's it's a very real interaction because I think what Peter Parker eventually learns is that you know it's life is not as clear cut as it as you want it to be. You know, you're not going to get mm-hmm. everything you want. You know, it's not going to be handed to you, and uh, because people are just especially Mary Jane like they're just in various stages of their life so yeah yeah it's 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 yeah it's a beautiful love story by the end it is but it is yeah. it is so relatable in that you know these two people are just not on the same page throughout like what two movies leading up to the end of yeah, this exactly. <laughs> yeah. so but let's talk about uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, talk about how uh, how you think she handled the role of Mary Jane? I think she does such a great job in in all of these movies. And I never understood why. I mean, I know it's 
more of sort of a vocal minority but like i i don't understand the, the crap that she got for these movies because i think she does such a good job in in this movie and it always stands out when i rewatch it i'm like she she really um she sells the um I don't know. She se- she sells the resilience of of this character. I think she sells the um, she sells all her 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 desires and her hopes and um, and and her frustrations. I think specifically in this movie, um, you see a lot of that. I think especially with like the whole subplot of Peter building up his like uh, uh, his his will to to read her a line of poetry, and then she kind of is like exasperated when yeah. he finally does um I, I i think she 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 does an incredible job in this movie of of balancing um this character's specific you know emotional arcs and um and her frustrations and and all that um so i i absolutely love her in these movies yeah i i've always uh, i've always loved uh, kirsten dunst and in these movies for sure i have uh, yeah, it's it's hard to describe how much uh, I love her in this because she's just she's doing so much like 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 you were touching on Aaron, and mm-hmm. I think she just she it works because like she's just working with so much like she's she's she has her own you know stuff she's dealing with she's trying to be a legitimate actress like she's she mm-hmm. she's in this relationship with an astronaut right <laughs> you know she yeah. she has all this going on and she's going through her own struggles and. You see that in her eyes, and like you see like the the pain she has talking to Peter Parker sometimes, especially in, the, in like the, mm-hmm. the in the birthday se- in birthday scene. Yes, like that yeah. is like that's painful <laughs> to watch yeah. Yeah. because you see her desire, you see maybe like a hint of her maybe thinking, you know, you know this guy is for me, right? But then at the end of the conversation, she goes, oh, by the way, I'm dating this guy. <laughs> That's like, oh, okay, great. So she, yeah, yeah. I, I think she handles it perfectly. I, I, I'm one of those people who, uh, who, who, who has always just been, you know, a fan of hers. And it's, it's confounding to me, Aaron, that people, like you said, the, the, the vocal minority of people who are not fans of hers in this movie or, or in this trilogy. So it's weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, let's go to, um, I guess that momentous comeback of Spider-Man, because <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite moment, uh, of mine in this movie, I think it's that sequence when he comes back. Um, oh, and I should point this out. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this. Aaron, have you seen the 2.1 version of this? Yes, I actually have. Re- somewhat recently, I think maybe like two or three years ago, I finally watched the 2.1 version of this, which is a very awkward uh, yeah, title I, for it. But. I want to. I want to. Uh, I should have mentioned this in the in the in the opening, but yeah, there's a 2.1 version that's like a th- well, I know it's on the 4K Blu-ray, and I think yeah. it's it's on the physical media releases, and I, I don't think it's you know it's, it's also on the iTunes okay, yeah. uh, version. Yeah, um, but, but I don't know other version, other digital copies. I'll, I'll say real quick, it's I prefer the theatrical cut. I don't like the two point one version. Okay, good. We're one of the same page there because, and for for those interested in seeing the two point one version, make sure you watch you know the theatrical version first, right before you know yeah, watching two point one. Don't make two point one your first go to experience. Okay, um, because it's. 
uh, when I'm I'm teeing this moment up, and this came to mind, that moment in the two point one version when uh, J. John Jameson <laughs> puts on the Spider Man oh, outfit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want uh, google this go to youtube find this clip yeah okay don't bother watching 2.1 okay i changed my mind just watch this clip of uh, uh jk simmons as j jonah jameson in the spider-man outfit after he he gets the spider-man outfit it's an, it's an insane moment in the movie in that 2.1 version and i can see sam raimi saying this is a good idea <laughs> this is the type yeah. of goofy stuff i like um but i'm glad they cut it out um but uh, but anyway well yeah it, i think yeah I, go ahead I, I think i think it I, I think you're right it's it feels like they spliced in a bit from like a blooper reel into the movie <laughs> um and i think they they do other small things i think they like extend the elevator sequence yeah. with the with the guy and i think i think the the joke gets carried out a bit too long i think they they made a wise decision to sort of pare it down in in the original release but um but yeah there there's some small like bits that they intersperse in the in the 2.1 version um but yeah definitely watch the theatrical release if you've never seen this before (laughs) yes please um aaron talk about that the moment where spider-man decides to come back um that moment in the movie uh because like i said I i think that moment for me is i think the best sequence in the movie yeah, I think, I think, just to sort of like preface this a bit, I think um, one of my favorite parts of the movie is that doctor's office visit where he sort of he's sort of talking around it, and you can kind of tell that the doctor maybe knows that he's Spider-Man, but yeah. maybe not. And I, I think I think that's another scene that's handled really well. But um, but I think that whole sort of. Um, uh, I, I think the conflict of it is sold really well in that scene, and I like that 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 the writers found a way to um, to explore Peter's inner conflict pretty like openly and literally, but in a way that doesn't feel incredibly contrived. Like it feels. Um, you know, I mean, it feels appropriate. Like you know, if you're in a doctor's office and you have some sort of um, uh, concern, uh, you might open up to, to the doctor where you feel safe. Um, and it, so I think, I think it, that moment really helps sell the eventual, um, joy of, of his return, um, really well. Um, but I also think it, it keeps it grounded in the fact that he is, um, he's conflicted about his, his responsibility to people who are in need. There's that scene where he like walks by the mugging in the, in the, uh, in the alleyway. Um, so I, I, I think, I think Raimi does a really good job of grounding his, like the joy of him coming back as Spider-Man with the sort of social responsibility that he, he feels as um, both Peter and, and Spider-Man. Yeah, and uh, we didn't say this before, but uh, yeah, about that doctor's visit, like it's I, what I like is how, um, like yes, like he gives up being Spider-Man, but um, he's also like psychologically, or they don't even that, that. That's why I love they don't even really tell you why. 
uh, he's also losing his powers, you know, uh, in, in, yeah. in, in the first half of the movie. Like, there are mm-hmm. moments when he's swinging in the air, and then he just falls. And it's it's a mystery. And... Mm-hmm. You're just. I think. I think it's in that scene. It's. In, it's in the doctor's office scene when the doctor just says after Peter Parker like relays this like story about like oh my friend has a dream about being Spider-Man right. Yeah. Um. And I think the doctor just says like maybe he, you know, friend shouldn't be Spider-Man. I think that's that's what's yeah. said right. And yet yeah. we, we 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 never know why exactly Peter Parker like has problems being Spider-Man like 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 a physical reason right. It's yeah. It, it's all like. I, I what what I think it is is just psychosomatic, right? It's just the fact that mm-hmm. he's just so frustrated with him being burnt out and just him. It's more of like, okay, I have to do this, so I have to be Spider-Man. I have to be a superhero. Um, I love that. I love that. It's never explained. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that I think the decision to leave it ambiguous. Um, is a is a smart one and i think you know um less confident writers would 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 sort of come up with some you know very specific reason you know biologically why he's you know losing his powers or something like that um but i think that would have felt sort of um i don't know it would have felt uh kind of cheap and 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 I don't think we really need that emotionally because we understand what's going on with Peter um, um, emotionally, psychologically, and I think the fact that he's losing his powers seems like a manifestation of that, and that is good enough to, to you know carry that whole plot point. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think I think that was a, a smart writing decision. Yeah, again, yeah. Um, if if it were made today, I'm sure you know they. They'd say exactly why, like, oh, his, his midi chlorine count is low. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. The one moment I love, out of many moments I love, the most is that is that oh, it's that it's the beginning of of the elevated train sequence, or, or right when mm-hmm. Spider Man is Spider Man again. He steals a suit from uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, and it's that I think it's like just a tracking shot of him going through the city, and that camera. Like uh, zooming out of Doc Ock's uh, glasses, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, that's that to me. That's like I hate to say this. That's cinema for me, man. <laughs> and and, and oh, it's it's beautiful. And it's not just because it's like a fa- you know a fantastic shot, like a, a camera, you know, uh, you know, traveling through the city and. Um, in a way that like no camera should but it's just that moment is emotionally impactful because like you were saying before like you he once again peter parker has this joy of being spider-man again and Mm -hmm. you sense that uh when he comes to rescue uh mary jane um so yeah i I just want to say that that's i think the favorite moment of of mine in this entire thing uh, do you have a favorite moment in this entire movie can you pick one yeah, you know, I mean, I think one one of the scenes that really sticks out to me is um, I forget the neighbor boy, the little the oh, little kid yes. that yeah. that is helping clean up, uh, I think uh, Aunt May's garage or something. He's doing something for Aunt May, um, and Peter shows up and she um, 
she says, oh, you know, whatever his name, I think his name's like Henry or something. Like he's like, oh, she's like, oh, Henry's wondering why Spider-Man doesn't, doesn't come around anymore. And I think it's this like, um, I, I think honestly that scene works better in terms of like the social responsibility of being Spider-Man. I think that scene hits more. Um, than does like the mugging scene that he ignores <laughs> when he like takes that big goofy bite of the hot dog. Um, I, I think that scene works really well because it it gives a very clear and specific face to the the person that Spider Man is hypothetically saving, right? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I don't know. I think I think that scene really works um, because of that, and I think it also really works because of Rosemary Harris's performance, which I think. Um, you know, I mean, she she's great in all three of these movies, but I think she, especially in that scene, I think she really sells the, um, I think she really sells the, the the sort of uh, uh, wiseness, if that makes sense, of of Aunt May, and I think um, she she sell or the wisdom of Aunt May, <laughs> and she I think she sells. Um, um, I don't know. There's there's a sense of like intimacy there in in the sense that it, it feels like she knows what Peter's going through, um, even if she doesn't maybe fully necessarily know that he's Spider Man. But she she understands that there's something emotionally that he's going through, and he needs to to um, to to have some sense of hope. Um, uh, and yeah, I think I think. That, that scene works for me on, on a bunch of different levels. Yeah, I love that moment too. That whole speech that she gives. And yeah, it's... it. I don't even know how to even describe it because it works so well because on one hand you're like, well, yeah, she doesn't know that he's Spider-Man, right? But she's giving this speech yeah. like, if, like, like if she knows. And it's just a, yeah. a rousing, uh, like, you know, call to action... Um, speech that you need in a in a movie like mm-hmm. this in a superhero movie like this, but it's given not to you know the superhero himself, you know, and it's given to just an aunt talking, you know, to Peter, just saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you just need a hero, you need something to believe in, and yeah. it's it's again like you, like you're saying, it's an intimate moment like between two family members that you know it's mm-hmm. a moment they need at that point. And but it's also just on on another level, just again a, a moment where, uh, like it's a it's a rousing like, hey, you know, be the superhero, you know, be you yeah. be, be this person that we need you to be. Uh, I love that level of it's like it's almost almost like a meta level of like, hey, um, you know, take this and, and do with it what you will. <laughs> the speech, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. and I and I think she says she says. Um, I think specifically she says something like there's a hero in all of us yeah which yeah. is like I, I think it, it like obviously it works on the sort of meta level of yes like Peter Parker is Spider-Man you know but <laughs> but I think it it also works on the level of like um, I, I think it cements the movie's core idea which is that like you can't really separate Peter Parker from Spider-Man and Spider-Man from Peter Parker because like Spider-Man isn't a hero because he like runs around on rooftops and saves people. He's a hero because he's 
Peter Parker and Peter Parker is like fundamentally a, a good person or is trying to be a good person and manage all his responsibilities and, and, you know, be empathetic and kind and, um, useful. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that that moment really works on, on a bunch of different levels and, and sort of ties all of the themes of the movie together. Yeah. Perfect. Um, all right. So, I, I, you know, uh, how about any last thoughts, Aaron, uh, before we wrap up this conversation? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I think in general, just thinking about like the legacy of this movie, I think, you know, obviously it was a huge success when it came out. Um, it was pretty, you know, widely regarded as a, as a great superhero movie when it came out and just a great movie in general. I know Roger Ebert went on about it, you know, incessantly. He loved this movie. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, a lot of movies have been sort of chasing the balance that, that, um, or a lot of superhero movies have been chasing the balance that, that Raimi struck in this movie, um, between the sort of alter ego and the, the, um, the civilian, uh, character. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, certain movies have done it really well. I think the dark Knight stands out as a movie that, that also does this sort of balance of like responsibility and, and, um, and, you know, sort of superhero level, uh, responsibility, uh, well. And, and I think Logan also does a really good job of blending the two. Um, but this movie kind of stands out because I think it, it, makes that idea like a really core and fundamental part of its drama um both in the like superhero action bits and the and the sort of civilian uh human drama bits um so yeah it's it it kind of stands out as a as a unique and special superhero movie even uh what is it now 16 years on yeah <laughs> it's insane it's been that long yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you picked this, Aaron. Um, oh, one aspect I want to touch on before we, we close up is um, I, I, I touched on the fact that I think it's a beautiful love story, too. That final sequence mm-hmm. of Mary Jane, you know, running away. Uh, I, I've seen people, you know, make fun of it. Sure, it's maybe a bit cheesy, but it always gets me. It does. And I think it works because Sam Raimi is just a master of varying tones in movies. And you can have like a kind of like melodramatic moment like that in this movie because he's just so good at balancing all this stuff. And yeah, the ending of this, that final moment with MJ and and Peter Parker um, in in his apartment, I think it's beautiful. I, I love it. So, yeah, and I, I think just like as a very final point, I think um, it ties together the like he's sort of calling back to the graduate and like yeah. pulling from that ending, and I think he he does it in a way that doesn't feel um, doesn't feel you know sort of winky or naughty. It just feels like it really fits this story because this story is is sort of similar in that way because it's you know, um, about a person sort of navigating their own responsibilities and, and trajectory in life. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a perfect way to end this movie. Yeah. And I'll, I'll quickly say, and I might be wrong about this cause it's been years, but this has stuck in my mind though. 
if I remember correctly, on the commentary, Kirsten Dunst is on the commentary with mm-hmm. I think with with I think Sam Raimi and I think maybe one of the writers, um, and she mentions the Graduate, and I think a lot of people have mentioned the Graduate like as an influence mm-hmm. to that final scene because it. it it's what it is. It's what it feels like. She brings that. Yeah. She brings it up. She brings like she brings up uh, the moment and says, "Oh, it's like the graduate." And mm-hmm. I think I forget who says otherwise. Sam Raimi's like, "Is it?" <laughs> it's it's weird. <laughs> it's weird that like it, it may have been Sam Raimi, may have been somebody else, but huh? Like I, you know, I didn't know that. It and again, I might cut this out because I'm gonna go back and and like re-listen to that. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's funny how if it wasn't meant to be. You know, a, a graduate, <laughs> you know, reference, it certainly is now because I felt yeah, that way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the beauty of a moment like that. It's like you, you, you get that sense of like uncertainty, like the of yeah. concern of like, where, where do we go now? And yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Aaron, thank you. This is excellent. Um, thank you for having me. Glad you picked this. Glad we got to talk about Spider-Man 2. Before we go, uh, plugs, uh, where are people listening find you online? Yes, yeah, so you can find my um, um, my my writing on talkfilmsociety.com. Um, you can also find me on find my writing on uh, letterbox.com. Um, Aaron Hendricks is is my you know username on there, um, and you can also find me on Twitter, and I'm at a hendricks ninety six hundred on Twitter, uh, and that's pretty much it. There you go. Uh, please follow him. Aaron, do great work. Um, thank you again. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>